Hi, this is Audrey Murray, and you're listening to Shanghai Comedy Corner Podcast. Dear Shanghai fans, Shanghai trash, real Shanghai goods, and fake lawies. This week's podcast episode is brought to you by monkeys, tricksters, cunning creatures, agile and mischievous. Monkeys used to rule the world. It's safe to say they'll rule it again soon. Just look at some of the people already in charge. As China and its Asian neighbors prepare to enter the year of the Red Fire Monkey, everyone who gives a hoot is bracing themselves for a severely unpredictable rocky year. I know because I was born in the year of the monkey. Oh shit! Now you can figure out my age. If monkey can be a compliment in Shanghai, men can jing, meaning as shrewd as a monkey. These aplorine primates symbolize people that are intelligent, magnanimous, charismatic, charming, authoritative, confident, eloquent, and artistic, but can be manipulative, jealous, selfish, aggressive, vindictive, or deceitful. In other words, just like me. By the way, this was a Wikipedia stolen list of adjectives. Welcome to the 56th Shanghai Comedy Corner podcast, the only podcast that does does and does not monkey around. Today I'm talking to Audrey Murray, a stand-up comedian, all the way from Boston, Massachusetts. It's random, it's fun, and it's as unexpected as a swimming monkey. Subscribe to our WeChat account, SHCC Podcast, to win lots of things, and check out our website, ShanghaiComedyCorner.com. Hello, Audrey. Hi, Julian. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm so thrilled to have you here today on the podcast because it's difficult to just get hold of you. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really? I I am really bad about responding to WeChat messages.、Mm. It's like something I every year I'm like my New Year's resolution is to respond to emails and respond to WeChat messages for like a week. I'm usually good. <laughs> you also travel so much. Yeah, I'm not here right now. You're always on、That's、the road,、yeah. and I I just want to crack the first question,、yeah. which is, how do you do it? Because people are like, yeah, she likes. Travels a lot,、mm-hmm. but still comes back to Shanghai to enjoy the city, and、uh, I think there's a lot of jealous people around, and、yeah. uh, they would like to crack your secret. Oh wow! My secret is、um, I have a giant bicycle. <laughs> it's about seven hundred years old. The basket is falling off, and it.、Um, yeah, that's how I do it. I just bike to、oh, all these、wow. different countries. <laughs> no,、um, I don't know how I do it either. Honestly, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna. Mess up one of these days. It's <laughs> this amazing life that I've had for the past year and a half. So you come from Boston, Massachusetts,、yeah. uh, but you've been in Shanghai since two thousand ten. Yeah. And you've been doing a lot of things. I know you from improv comedy.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you tell us more about how you got into it? Yeah,、uh, I first started doing improv when I first moved to China. Actually,、uh, I started going to Zmac improv workshops just actually kind of to meet people. Like I'd always been interested in comedy, but I was more like lonely than、um, <laughs> I, than that probably.、Uh, no, but I started doing it, and I met some really cool people. I really liked it. I kept doing it, and then、um, a group of us who did improv together started doing stand-up, which turned into KFK. And yeah, I never in a million years thought I would be doing comedy anywhere. Let alone in like China of all places, but it's been really cool. Yeah, you've been doing like tons of different shows, and you、yeah. even started one back home. 
I mean, yeah. not in Boston, but no, not in Boston. In New York City. In New York, yeah. And so, what's all that all about? Yeah, so my show in New York is called the Greenpoint Comedy Night, and it's actually like <clears throat> it was totally one of those random dumb luck things. Like, I lived in this neighborhood, and I would go on a run every day that went by this bookstore, and they always had author events. So I was like, oh. They probably have like a space where you could do a performance and I had just moved to New York and when you're like trying to break into the comedy scene there uh, it helps a lot if you have your own show because you can kind of like trade spots with people and it's just like cool to be able to have a little bit of control uh, in a city that's I don't know teeming with stand-up comedians mm. so I just went in one day and I was like hey would it be possible to start a stand-up show here and I didn't really realize that that was a really well-known bookstore and if I had known I probably wouldn't have had the guts to go in <laughs> so I was lucky and then they were like, yeah, why don't you talk to Brooklyn Brewery? And they like hooked me up with that sponsorship. And so through their name and then also having the Brooklyn Brewery sponsorship, we actually, like it got really, we sold out, we sell out most of our shows, but yeah, like our first few shows, we had to like turn people away at the door. And, wow. Yeah, they've been really cool. Is it a especially especially themed stand-up comedy show, or is just a regular? It's specially themed in that I host it. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's kind of a cool concept because usually, like most um, most sort of indie stand-up shows in New York are in bars, mm. um, and so ours is cool because you just like pay six dollars to get in, but then you get two free beers, and so that is really attractive to people. I mean, first of all, there's no place in New York where you can get a three-dollar beer. Um, <laughs> To also get a free comedy show with it now. But you also do improv, and you also yeah. uh, so let's talk about improv first. Sure. And uh, you've been with PRC for a while. Mm -hmm. If you don't know, People's Republic of Comedy. Come on, people. Yeah. Uh, Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday night. Comedy Club. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop plugging. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> you started up while you were in Shanghai, or had you done any of that before? No, I never done it before. Um, but my boyfriend in college was on the improv team that we had at our school. And so by the time like I met him, it was too late for me to get involved with that because it was my senior year. But I was really, really interested after seeing him do it. And it was something I always wanted to try. But again, like I thought I would just take classes and it'd be like this cool thing that I did one time. I never imagined I'd be performing. Um, but I really, really liked it. Like as soon as I started doing the workshops with Mac, I was, I was hooked. Nice, nice. But you also appeared can I say this? I saw you on a web series. There was like a couple of episodes. Oh yeah, which one? <laughs> it was about what we call Tai Tai. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Real Housewives like, of Shanghai. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you were going to Jingan Temple or something. Yeah, yeah. So can you tell us more about this little thing that you did? Yeah, um, it was uh, an idea that I came up with maybe like with Joe Schaefer. I don't really remember, but anyway, I had these scripts sitting around for ages. Um, and I finally, yeah, I don't remember where the idea came from, um, but it was one of those, like, things where I was like, okay, it, this is Shanghai, I can, like, find people to, like, do this with me. Um, so, Zach Conker, well, he was Zach Sinclair back then, um, <laughs> I got him to film it on, like, a handheld camera, um, Tammy Omeg, who used to do yes. KFK. Yeah, she was on the podcast, too. Oh, okay, cool, 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 yeah. So, I got her to do it, another friend to do it, I edited it, iMovie or something, so yeah, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. I, I think the craziest part was we filmed one episode inside Jing'an Temple. Yeah. And we were really lucky because we had that small handheld camera, so we were pretty inconspicuous. And I think our plan was that if we got caught, we would just tell them we were just like tourists. But we were doing crazy stuff. Like we were lighting stuff on fire, and I was like running around screaming. Um, I don't know how. <laughs> I and we did it on like a Saturday afternoon.
afternoon too. It was packed. I don't know how we didn't get caught, but <laughs> it was really, really fun. It's one of my like favorite memories of Shanghai. At the moment, you, you're not filming things in temples, but you're going basically through the entire Asian continent, yeah. <laughs> traveling around most of, you know, well, the former Soviet Union. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we just decided it's, it's now FSU. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the problem with that though is that sounds like an American university called Florida State University. Oh, right. Which would, I mean, I'm sure I could travel through all of FSU. I can't say it. <laughs> I'm sure I could travel through all of FSU, but it would take an afternoon. It would right. take um, <laughs> months and months. And it would be a lot cheaper, probably. What is all that all about? Because I keep seeing yeah. pictures of you popping up on my WeChat or Facebook. Oh, yeah. With your, like, pictures. beautiful pictures yeah. of all these landscapes. Yeah. No, it's scary, it, too, I must say. Yeah. It's like... I'd like the picture, but I, would I go there to take it? I'm not sure. I know. I had some photos. Um, I posted a photo of me in Afghanistan. Um, actually, I don't know. Um, we just kind of like went over the border and like took a picture feet on the ground in Afghanistan. And I got like seven messages from my mom being like, are you in Afghanistan? Leave Afghanistan. What's going on? <laughs> um, but no, I, I never felt. Unsafe, no. So what took you to... Yeah, so I had always like been obsessed with Russia and the Russian language. And if I'm being totally honest, I've had more than a few Russian boyfriends mm. that my family helped. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had I'd always wanted to travel through these parts of the world and do basically exactly what I was doing. Like study Russian, see all these places that had always fascinated me. I guess I thought, I was like, oh, that'll be something that I like do when I'm like really rich and famous and I can just like, I have this time and I realized that actually I could do it now. Why wait? Yeah, yeah why wait? And I don't know why it took me so long to figure that out. <laughs> it's like one of those things that when you do, you're like, oh yeah, um, anyone can travel through the former Soviet Union. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so I went and did it and I'm writing about it and I'm planning to go back again in March. You are and uh, you have a, a fantastic blog. It's called acmtravels.tumblr.com mm -hmm. yep. acmtravels.tumblr.com I'll include the link oh, um, cool. on the post. I started reading it today because oh, yeah. and I was like so engrossed in it but oh, I didn't get you. to that point where you talk about this very you know now famous moment amongst your friends and, and people who follow your blog that you were kidnapped yeah. in Turkmenistan. So it was actually like I don't know if you've ever like had a moment where you're just like I maybe brought that upon myself but I will say <laughs> that before I left for this trip I had a bunch of stand-up jokes about not even stand-up jokes like I just kept talking about how I was going to Turkmenistan alone, promoting, I did the last, a final headliner before I left, and I was like, oh, come see the show, it might be your final time to see me because I'm going to Turkmenistan alone. Meanwhile, I'm thinking Turkmenistan is going to be the safest place I'm going, because I don't know if you know this, but Turkmenistan is this, like, crazy, isolated country, one of those, like, really authoritarian regimes, like, crazy dictator. And so normally when you're traveling in places with, like, really heavy police presence, there's not a lot of random violent crime. Actually, like, you know, you feel safer mm. in some of those places than you do in the U.S. Yeah, I was expecting it to be no problem. And I got there, and it was, from the minute I got there, it was very weird. It's like, I, I guess I kind of thought in my head it would be, like, North Korea in some ways, because the parallels are similar, except that Turkmenistan has a shit ton of oil, and therefore a lot of money. But, yeah, pretty isolated regions with, like, crazy people eating them. But no one goes to Turkmenistan. Like, no one's even heard of Turkmenistan. So yeah. it's like, oh, this will be like North Korea, but without all the tourist crowds. 
Mm-hmm. I got there and it was like not set up for tourists. Like, wow. like even little things like. Um, if you wanted to register at a hotel as a foreigner, you had to go change hard currency at like one specific bank and then get pages and pages of paperwork, bring that back to the hotel. And no one really knew how to do any of it. I mean, they're just not used to having solo travelers there. The way taxis in Central Asia work is you flag down a cab and that cab is going wherever the first passenger was going. If you're on the way or kind of on the way, they'll take you. So if the cab's going to the bund, you flag them down and you're going like Nanjing Donglu, they'll take you. If you're in a Hongqiao airport, they won't. So it was like 8 p.m. and I was taking a taxi from a restaurant to the Sofitel in Ashgabat, the capital, because that was the one place in the country that had internet. Wow. It was such a weird, it was so weird. Like, I didn't have the internet for five days. Um, so, yeah, I was going there, and I flagged, so I'm holding my hand out. And the first thing that should have struck me as very weird is the car that picked me up pulled a U-turn, mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense, because, again, normally they would be headed in one direction. If they're having to pull a U-turn, you're already going the wrong way. All right. So, I get in, and there's a guy in the front seat which is normal. So there's the driver, but then there's a the guy in the passenger seat. But again, that's normal because usually it's actually safer to get in a cab with another passenger already in it because that means safety numbers, I guess. So we figure out where I'm going. We figure out the price and everything's cool. And then the second thing that was like a little bit weird is that we did all of that in Russian, no problem. And then all of a sudden, like, we just couldn't communicate. Like, everything they were saying to me, I didn't understand, and everything I was saying to them, they were acting like they didn't understand. And normally, you know, if you're a foreigner traveling in those places, when they figure that out, you you kind of have the same conversation over and over again, like, where are you from, what do you do, what are you doing in this country? So I could do all that in Russian, no problem at that point. I'd been there, like, over a month. I have a really good sense of direction. So we drive past where we should have turned to go to the Sofitel. But that's also not that weird because they're gearing up for this big military parade. So a lot of the streets in downtown Ashgabat have been randomly closing and opening. So it's like, oh, okay, I guess they're like, you know. Going around. Yeah, they're going around. But then I notice that we start heading north. Then I start trying to tell them, like, I'm going to the Sofitel. Do you know it? And the Sofitel is like the most famous landmark probably in Ashgabat. I mean, so they're like, yeah, yeah, we know it. No problem. But like we keep going. And I'm like getting this really bad feeling. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you just know mm. something isn't right. You just, you're hoping you're wrong. Because, yeah. So I see that they're turning onto a highway and I'm like, oh, fuck. I start screaming at them. And they're just so calm. They're like, no, no, no. It's right here. It's right here. But again, like, we're having a hard time communicating. I'm screaming. I'm freaking out. Then, like, I see that the signs to the airport, which is a really bad sign. So Turkmenistan is, like, 80% desert. And then there's, like, one or two cities, and that's it. So we're leaving the city and, like, heading into the desert. And I, I'm just like, oh, my God, they're, they're trying to take me. Mm. Like, this makes no sense. We're so far. We had to go. You know, it was a 10-minute ride. I've now been in the car for probably, like, a half hour, and we're nowhere near where we're supposed to be. Wow. We're on a highway, like, going out of town. And pretty soon we'll be in the middle of nowhere. And I'm, like, it's, it's really, really bad. But sometimes when I'd be sitting in a car, I would think about, oh, if someone was kidnapping, what would I do to escape? And I always pictured, <laughs> like, that you open the door and just I would just jump, jump out. Yeah, that's what I always <laughs> yeah. pictured. Everyone but, pictures that thing. Yeah, but the weird thing is, like, I had started considering that before. Before we got on the highway, we were probably going like 20 miles an hour, which, so it's not that fast, right? Mm. And even then I was like, that would be more dangerous than staying in this car. Probably And especially, is. so it's so weird. Like you realize that's a really bad option. And especially on a highway, you like for sure can't do that. So I'm screaming, I'm screaming. And I finally, I open the door. 
to the car. And at that point, they immediately, like, they're, like, really placating me. They're, like, oh, they turn around, they're, like, please, calm down, it's right there. And I'm, like, maybe I'm wrong. I close the door, and then, but then they go past, like, the first exit, and I'm, like, no, this is absolutely, like, there was no reason we wouldn't have gotten off that exit. So I open the door again. So we pass the exit, but then we go past the on-ramp. So now there are like cars coming onto the road and they can see that there's this car with the door wide open. Mm. And so that attracts a ton of attention. People are like honking and and that kind of like freaks them out, the attention. So they pull over and I jump, jump out of the, jump car out of the car and run. And they like wait, like they think I'm gonna change my mind get back in and then eventually they drove off um but then i was like stranded yeah. in the outskirts there's nothing around there it was like an, out of a horror movie like there's nothing around there except are there all- lights on the motorway or can you see it there there are lights on the motorway but off to the side there's nothing so it's like pitch dark it's it's light there but it's dark but then wow. there's one like lone train track and then like a lone <laughs> oh my god you know train station with this like guy manning it who like isn't totally there <laughs> oh my god yeah it was um so yeah that was my story of getting kidnapped in wow i didn't know how to get back i called the u.s embassy and they were so unhelpful and then i went and actually talked to the guy manning like the, the crazy guy manning the train station i called a friend who spoke russian who like kind of tr- but basically i had to Flagged down another taxi to mm. get back into the city, which was so scary because that had that been just happened. <laughs> what had gotten me in trouble in the first place. So that was actually the scariest part was having to trust another stranger. Yeah, Boy, so. wow, I, my heart was beating so fast as <laughs> you were like, because I, I know you are here now, yeah, but yeah. still, I thought, what's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will, crazy. I will. You should all read the story on our blog yeah. with all the other details. People who travel know that, like, sometimes you just get into sticky situations. Yeah, I think it's, like, a random one. I would never tell anyone not to go to Turkmenistan. Mm. And certainly, like, the rest of my trip, I had nothing like that. Good, so, yeah, yeah. It's important to say that, too. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're safe in China. Yeah, safe in China <laughs> <now>. <laughs> so, you, so you have a weird dad-like sense of humor. Yeah. It's very, like, pointed. <laughs> yeah, I would say that I... I would make a great dad if that were, like, something that were possible. Comedically. I don't know how I would deal with, like, having to coach sports and stuff. But um, comedically, that is my sense of humor. And I have to, like, be very careful not to do that on stage because I realize that that is something that, like, me and my actual dad and, like, five other people in the world find funny. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you say that you don't like puns. Don't like puns. Which... Having a dad-like sense of humor yeah. kind of contradicts himself. I know. It does sound like it would be. I know, but there's, there's like two types of dad humor, I think. The first is like puns, mm. which, yeah, I'm not into that. <laughs> but, um, sorry, no offense if you are. And there are some oh, good ones. Fine. With, with yeah. fr- I have a friend um, who produces our PRC shows who's like really into puns, but he takes it really seriously. And with him, like it's okay, but yeah, I'm not like but the other kind of dad humor is more like being really into weird things so for example (laughs) this summer my whole family was obsessed with um restless leg syndrome restless leg syndrome is like a medical condition that um and it's a real thing actually where people feel like they have to move their leg this is a real thing and it's a it's a really difficult thing for people who like actually have it Mm. they can't sleep it's really bad but um 
there were a lot of American companies that sort of saw an, an opening, and they started doing infomercials, being like, do you have restless leg syndrome? So a lot of people have, like, symptoms that they might then classify as oh, restless leg syndrome. So basically, in the States, you have a lot of, like, especially middle-aged women who are convinced they have restless leg syndrome when they don't. And so they, like, use all these creams, and they take these, like, herbal supplements, but they don't actually have it. I probably wrote, like, 40 different jokes about restless leg syndrome <laughs> this but I still, like, I'll break out if, like, I have a really specific type of crowd, but normally, people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? You have an unhealthy obsession with getting a deal. Yeah. You're in the right country. I know, right? Yeah. But it's not so much that. Like, I, I actually don't really like bargaining at all. And I don't do it that much in China. Um, even if I know I could probably, like, knock 10 quai off, it's not that. <laughs> but I mean, like, I will, if I'm going on a trip, I will spend 90% of my trip planning, like, trying to find the cheapest flight possible, even if it involves, like, flying, like, let's say if I wanted to go from, like, Shanghai to Beijing, even if it involved flying, like, Shanghai, Paris, Paris, I don't know, like Ulaanbaatar, and then Beijing. Like, I, it's a point where it wastes time. I'm like losing money because I'm taking, having to take time off work. Yeah, it's it's really unhealthy. <laughs> well, I hope you're planning your trips through the former Soviet Union. Oh, well, luckily, yeah, you don't fly very much there. <laughs> I'd never be able to leave one country and go to the next. You you said that uh, while in Shanghai, you were invited to a Shanghai call center annual dinner. Yeah. For being the most frequent. I was, yeah. Um, yeah, so when I first moved to Shanghai in 2010, it was right before Expo, they had this service. The Shanghai Call Center actually still exists, but no one uses it now. But mm. back then, we called it the magic number. What happened was you called this number, and the person who answered the phone was perfectly bilingual, English and Chinese, and they were sitting at a computer. Nice. So you could call them and ask them anything. You could call them and be like, hey, can you talk to my IE for me? And they would do that. Or you could be like, hey, I'm sitting on this street corner. Could you tell me where the nearest Starbucks is? Like, literally anything. <laughs> wow. The only thing they wouldn't do is they wouldn't make recommendations. So you couldn't say, like, do you know a good restaurant nearby? Mm. This was great. So, yeah, back then, like, you would talk to people and they'd be like, oh, my God, I must use that number, like, ten times a day. <laughs> and so, and of course, they were exaggerating, but I didn't realize that. And I was going around, like, oh, God, I probably only call it, like, five or six times a day. Like, I barely use this thing. <laughs> and then I had been in, and, and back then I didn't speak a word of Chinese. And it was because, like, I would get into a taxi and I would just call the magic number, hand the phone to the driver. Like, I made no effort because, like, I was like, oh, I found this great thing where, like, it saves time. I don't have to learn another language. Um, so I'd been in Shanghai about six months, and I got a call from them one day being like, hi, we're calling to invite you to our annual Chinese New Year Gala for being one of the most frequent callers for the year. And I was like, what? I mean, I thought it was a scam because I, just, I didn't think I was using it that much compared to the way other people talked about it. And so they're like one of our most frequent callers for the year. And I get there and I'm the only person invited to this thing, which leads me to conclude that, yeah, I was like the most frequent caller for the year. Um, and that was when I started learning Chinese. I don't want to be this person. Yeah, because you're famous at the call center. You were famous. I know. I was. It was so weird. They like, oh, yeah, it was very weird. <laughs> what's your next step? What's what's next in store for Audrey Murray, the traveler, writer, comedian? <laughs> uh, you're doing so many things, and I'm very impressed by all the creative, you know, 
uh, output you. that you have. Where can people see you, catch you? Of course, obviously they can go onto your blog. Yeah, That's the easiest thing. Mm -hmm. but what if they want to meet you in person and take I a selfie with you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I perform um, at the Kung Fu Comedy Club most nights of the week. Um, we have PRC there on Thursday, open mic Wednesday and Sunday. And then we I also spend a lot of time at Camel Coffee on Jianguo <laughs> <laughs> Shilu, if anyone is in the neighborhood and um, wants to get an autograph. That sounds, uh, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. I've never had anyone ask me for an autograph, but there's always a first. There's always a first. <laughs> so I, I tell you what, if you listen to this podcast and bump into Audrey at that coffee place, what's mm -hmm. the name again? Camel Coffee. Camel Coffee. Mm -hmm. And you It's ask, a terrible coffee It's a terrible shop. Coffee. I, I, hang out, <laughs> I hang out only at really bad coffee shops because what I'm looking for in a coffee shop is that it will be empty. Yeah. And so, I, and stuff. but I don't want anyone else in there. So yeah, right. camel coffee is actually terrible, but that's where <laughs> I spend a lot of time. <laughs> so if you bump into her at that place yeah. and you actually ask her for an autograph, yeah. make sure you leave your, your phone number or mm -hmm. some some sort of like details. Audrey will tell me and I'll personally invite you to a comedy show. Oh, perfect. How about okay. that? Great. Right? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Then you have like 10 people turning <laughs> up. <laughs> it's crude. No, then it'll be busy and then I won't be able to go there anymore. So. <laughs> Backfires, Julian. I'm gonna start coming to your house for coffee. All right. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Audrey. This has been lovely. I look forward to hearing more of your comedy and reading more adventures oh, in China you. and the rest of the world. And looking forward to that book thank that's gonna come out of it. See you soon, I guess. And bye bye. Bye.